Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 183, and today we're going to be talking about my Amazon product getting suspended, and now what? Right? Who wants to get an email that says, we're sorry, but we're suspending your listing or your product because of X, Y, and Z, right? I'm going to go ahead and share with you the reasoning for that, but also I'm going to talk about how I was able to get back up and running in almost an hour, and I'm going to share that with you. Now, there's going to be some things that you may not be able to do if this happens to you, depending on your situation or what the claims are or any of that stuff. But I am going to go through, you know, some of the lessons learned. I'm going to give you the story, the play-by-play of how I was notified of this and then my immediate actions. And I actually had two different strategies I was going to do here. Now, luckily, this wasn't one of my top sellers in this particular product. It was, because I have variations inside of this product, it was one of the bigger ones and it was more of the profit because it was a bundle. And uh, I was able to, again, keep running because I had more than one variation, and I had other products. So again, one quick lesson here is, you know, if you put all your eggs in one basket, you know, one product that is, and that product gets under review or whatever, then your business is shut down for however long. So be aware of that, uh, and also realize that we are playing inside of Amazon's uh, playground. You know, we are, we are, uh, you know, building you know, part of our business there. And I say part of our business there because I don't believe that we should build our whole business there, but I think it's a great place to verify and validate products, which you've heard me say through the past couple of episodes. I've been saying that a lot. I've been periscoping about that. If you guys are not familiar with Periscope, I'm loving Periscope. It's a way for me to instantly turn my phone on, hit record or broadcast, that is, and instantly I can connect with all of the viewers, all of the people like you that are on Periscope that are following me. So if you guys wanted to hang out with me, uh, go on a walk, uh, I do go on walks and I bring you along with me and we just kind of talk about whatever I'm thinking about at that point in time. Sometimes it's inspirational, sometimes it's just us talking about something that just happened or we're just answering questions. So again, that's periscope.tv, head over there, download the app for the Android or the iPhone and then search for at Scott Volker. You'll find me, and then follow me, and then you'll get any updates. And if you do that, and you connect with me, let me know that you're new to Periscope. So this way here, I can give you a little shout out. Uh, That'd be really, really fun. All right, so another thing I want to mention here before we jump in, I get a ton, a ton of questions. You guys can imagine, right? I mean, we're approaching almost three close to 3 million downloads overall since we've launched the podcast. Uh, Last month, I think we were just at 293,000 downloads. I just missed 300,000 downloads in one month. And uh, the reason why I missed that was because there's less days in February, you know, so I had to, uh, you know, I had to take a one last day. If I had, if I had one extra day, it would have been 300,000, but it looks like we're on track to do 300,000 downloads this month. So we're constantly growing which is awesome, but I get tons of questions, tons of questions, and I try to do my best to answer them, but the one question that comes up over and over and over again, and you know what? I get it, right? This is probably one of the biggest sticking points and probably one of the biggest decisions that you'll make when first getting started, and that is, Scott, 
what makes a good product, all right? Now, this podcast episode is not going to be about what makes a good product, but I wanted to just throw that out there because a lot of you are brand new that are listening either for the first time or maybe you came in, you know, maybe three, four episodes ago, or maybe you are currently going through this right now, like asking yourself, scratching your head, what makes a good product? So what I'd like to do is give you uh, a link to the podcast that I recently did with Greg Mercer, who uh, also is the creator of Jungle Scout. And him and I did a really, really great podcast, really just discussing product research, product depth, product, what makes a good product, uh, you know, all of the different things that we think about, the different things that are a little bit different now than they are than they were, you know, in 2015. So really, I would say go there and listen to that episode. I also have a screenshot here where it shows you an example of depth of a market and what that all means. Um, so that's episode 161. So the link to that is theamazingseller.com forward slash 161. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash 161. Whenever I get a question in an email, I always direct them to that episode. And the other episode is episode 56. That's theamazingseller.com forward slash 56. But I would go to 161 because that's the most current. And there's some really, really great nuggets of gold there that will help you in this process. All right. So 161 that is. And again, I'll link up everything today that we talk about, any type of links that I give you or show notes, transcripts for this episode will all be hooked up at episode 183. So that would be the amazingseller.com forward slash 183. All right. So let's kind of dive in here. Let's talk about this, this crazy a text message that I got from my father, okay? Now, some of you know that my father kind of works part-time for me. He does a little bit of everything. Um, he's retired. Um, he's uh, really good on the computer. He actually was on a computer well before I was. He's uh, self-taught like I, I am as well. Um, you know, some of you know that, you know, he, he comes from the, uh, you know, the construction world. He ran a pretty successful construction company um, who I worked for. Uh, but he's just, a, he's just a, he understands a lot of the ins and outs and he can figure things out on his own. So I hired him to do a bunch of different little tasks for me inside of my Amazon business, but also with the podcast now and all of those things in between. I've kind of, you know, kind of leaned on him a little bit and I'm able to supplement his income a little bit. But he sent me a text as I'm playing a Jenga, you guys know the game Jenga, which is another brilliant idea. Think about that as a product, guys. It's a bunch of blocks that you stack and you pull out blocks and whoever tips it over loses, right? So, I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, I wish I would have thought of that. Or the other one is Can Jam. You guys ever hear a Can Jam? You take a Frisbee uh, and you have two different, uh, it's like a garbage can on each side and they have a slit in it and you try to hit it. Um, that's another great game. But anyway, I mean, games are awesome. Uh, but we're playing Jenga. Right, so we're sitting there playing Jenga. It's me, my daughter um, Kayla, my youngest, and my son Scotty, who's 17. So we're sitting there playing, and I get a text message. And I normally don't uh, answer my phone, especially when I'm playing a game or anything like that. But it was near me, and I, I usually put it away from me. I usually put it out in the other room so I don't hear it. And I just looked, and it said, "My father." It's you know, it said, "Dad." So I looked at it, and it said, um, "You might want to go check your email for." Um, you know, for your business, you know? So I'm like, oh man, I don't want to do this. So I finished my game of Jenga. I did do that. I didn't, I didn't go and run off, but I was thinking about it. And, uh, I finished the game of Jenga. I told my daughter and my son, just give me a few minutes. And I went out and in the email, it was basically saying that one of my, um, one of my items was, was being, um, suspended. 
which basically means that I'm not allowed to sell it until I can tell them and explain to them um, you know, their complaints and kind of rectify them or explain how I'm going to fix them. And bottom line was, guys, not to drag this whole thing out, but bottom line was is that one of my products was getting a high number of refunds, okay? And whenever you get to a certain number, now, I know a lot of people say, well, Scott, I get like a 2%, you know, refund rate. Is that is that going to get me suspended? I don't think that's going to get you suspended. I've had one and a half. I've had one. I've had, you know, two uh, every once in a while. During the fourth quarter, you might get more because people are buying gifts and they're exchanging them. So there's different tolerances, but I was at 13% on a refund rate. Out of 55, if I know my numbers right here, out of 55 orders, there was like seven or eight refunds. So to them, that was high, okay? Now, let me kind of rewind a little bit. I'd been receiving some complaints from customers saying that they were missing a piece, okay, of this item. Okay, now this item that we're talking about, I should also explain that it's a variation of this one product. So we have a product, then we have, you know, let's say um, a single unit, another single unit, another single unit. So there's three different variations. Then we have another variation with all three of those included into one. Okay, but they have, you know, they have parts in there. And if I'm counting my parts correctly, one, two, three, four, five, six parts in the bundle. Okay, so there's six parts in the bundle. Every single, um, not every single one, every single email that I was getting from people about a complaint was that they were missing a part. It wasn't that the thing wasn't working or that it was breaking or any of that stuff. Uh, It was basically they were missing something. So I started thinking to myself, oh boy, you know, we probably got an issue here because, you know, there's in in production, they're probably not put into the bag because there's a poly bag. Now, the other thought was is, and I've noticed this with the poly bag, is that the poly bag isn't really a poly bag. It's kind of like a cellophane bag. And it's kind of got like, uh, I don't want to say like fused corners, uh, kind of heat corners where they're together. But I could notice that they could probably easily split open, right? So if Amazon is picking and packing and pulling something up and the thing falls out. Now, the item that they're complaining about that's falling out is is not that small. I would say it's probably around four inches wide by maybe, I don't know, an inch and a half. You know, so because of that, it's not that small. So you would think if it was, if that was happening, then they would be aware of it, right? So then it makes me think that it's in production. So now I'm thinking to myself, I got to contact my supplier. I got to ask them, you know, what I can do about this. So what they immediately want me to do is they want me to pull the inventory. Okay. But if I pull the inventory, I had 700 units in stock. So now by having 700 units in stock, I got to pull them, you know, those inventory, I got to ship them back to myself and then ship them back to, well, not ship them back to them. I got to ship them back to myself and then inspect them. Okay, but in the meantime, I'm kind of in a panic because my listing is still live. Okay, and now this is the advantage of having multiple uh, variations or having variations on a product. Okay, there's a lot of different, you know, goodness that comes from that. But one of them is, is if one of your variations is getting refunds, but the other three aren't, you know, or two or whatever you have, then that won't shut down your entire listing. Okay, so. That was where I was lucky, but this was definitely my my more profitable item because it was bundled. I was, uh, I am making about fourteen to fifteen dollars per unit on this one. So you know, and I was averaging about six to ten units a day on just that bundle. Okay, 
So you're talking, even if it's just six, six of them, let's just say that that's, that's 60, that's almost, that's like 80, 90 bucks a day right there on just that one variation. If I'm selling 10 of them, well, then that's even more, right? That's over a hundred dollars a day. So instantly pulled from me, right? But instantly I'm thinking to myself, what can I do to get this thing back up and running? They won't let me sell that inventory until I can inspect it and then either reship it back in or repackage it, or whatever I need to do, so my first thing was, okay, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to merchant fulfill it, instantly, I'm going to, I'm going to lock down the other stuff, I'm going to basically pull that order, you know, or pull that inventory, put in a, a, a claim order, or a work order, to pull that, okay, so that way there, the, the inventory is kind of like, it's spoken for, okay, so it's kind of like it can't be sold anyway, and I'm going to switch it over to merchant fulfilled, So now Merchant Fulfilled, they'll instantly let me sell that because now I'm not selling the same inventory. They're saying that that inventory is bad. They're not saying that I can't keep selling as long as I'm not selling that inventory. Does that make sense? See, because they are looking at those 700 units, those are the ones that have been giving the refunds or getting the refunds. But the new inventory that I have might not have that, okay? So because of that, they'll let me sell new inventory because it's not on that batch, let's call it, okay? Even though that batch in there could have been three different batches that I sent in. It wasn't maybe one batch, but now I'd have to prove what batch it was, all right? Now, I didn't really go down the avenue of having them do a pull, you know, go in there and pull some of that inventory. I haven't done that. I probably could, Um, but my first reaction was I got to get that listing back up and running. So I went and did Merchant Fulfilled. That instantly got me back up and running within an hour. Okay. Now the downfall with Merchant Fulfilled, and you guys all know this, this is why we don't want to do this is because as a consumer, as a buyer, I look at that and I'm like, ah, I'm going to pay $4.99 for shipping. Yes, I can do free shipping, which I I probably should do. But honestly, this is just like a quick fix. Um, But Prime, you don't get Prime. So you don't get Prime. You don't get Prime shipping. You don't get the advantages of that. I don't come up in search. if If someone is searching and they're filtering just for Prime items, I'm not coming up because now I'm Merchant Fulfilled. And guess what? Since I've done that, I'm recording this about four days after um, this has happened, and I've only sold two units of that bundle. So clearly, it has a big, big impact when you go from merchant fulfilled or go from fulfilled by Amazon to merchant fulfilled or vice versa. If you're if you're merchant fulfilling right now because you want to save that that four or five bucks that Amazon is going to take that when they sell you're losing a lot of traffic. You're losing a lot of eyeballs, okay? It might be working for you, and that's fine. But Merchant Fulfilled, in this case, from me doing this, it, it's totally proven to me that FBA gets more gets more eyeballs, but it also because it's not prime now, okay? So because of that, I'm losing sales, right? So in four days, let's just say that, let's just say it was, uh, let's make it easy. Let's just say it was 10 units, or let's let's call it five units a day. So that's 20 units. And if I'm making uh, $10 or $15, so let's kind of try kind of do the math here. We've got uh, what did I say here? We've got four four uh, four days, we've got 10 or five units, that's 20, and then we've so that's 20, that's two hundred dollars, that's that's three hundred dollars if I've done the math right. About three hundred dollars that I've lost um, in profit. We're not talking about the revenue generated and, you know, the different units that I could be pushing, but we're talking $300 profit in pocket, right? It's not there now. All right. So because of that, but with that being said, at least it's still active. It's not totally shut down. All right. So now I am pulling that inventory. I'm having it shipped back. We're going to do an inspection on it. If 
I have an issue with that, that I look at that and I see that we have bags that are clearly sealed and the parts are missing. Well, now I've got to take pictures of this and I need to send it to my manufacturer, my supplier. And now that supplier is going to have to compensate me for this. Okay. And hopefully you have a good supplier that will do that for you. I believe that mine will. All right. But now if I get those and there's nothing wrong with them, well, now I got a problem with Amazon and now I'm not going to really be able to prove that either. Um, So I'm really going to eat this one, right? So right off the bat, I'm going to spend 50 cents each to pull those, okay? That's what they're going to charge me. And then I'm going to pay whatever the shipping fee is. And they don't give you the shipping fee until it's actually been shipped. And and, uh, I'm not sure if I've gotten that yet. But I'm expecting, you know, probably, you know, for those those units to come back to me, I'm I'm expecting to probably pay 500 to 600 bucks. That's what I'm thinking. So I'm going to eat that, you know? And now when I ship those back in, that's going to be a dollar or $2 each that I'm not going to make. I mean, hopefully I can get those all back in and start selling them again. And then I can, you know, get right back to where I was. Yes, I'm going to make, like I said, maybe a dollar less. So instead of making, you know, let's say $13, I'm only going to make 12 or 11, even $10 I'm cool with because I'm not losing the inventory. But if I do get those and I'm missing a bunch of stuff, well, now I've got a problem, right? Now I've got to get more inventory here quicker because I only have about 200 units in my, uh, my, uh, garage and I've got, you know, those already sent in. Um, so really I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of tied here now I can take, you know, let's say I have 700 units and now I've got some that have the right parts and some that don't have the right parts. I can mix them and maybe get 300 units that I can ship in. Yes, I can do that. But again, it's time. You got to have someone do it if it's not yourself. Um, so all of that stuff, you know, is kind of things that I'm not sure yet, but I wanted to let you guys know that if this ever does happen to you, immediately the very first thing that you're going to want to probably do is switch it to Merchant Fulfilled. At least this way here, you're not dead, right? You're not dead in the water where you can then keep selling that product, all right? So like I said, the very first thing that I did, the very first thing was I switched to Merchant Fulfilled. That's the very first thing. The second thing is pull the inventory for removal, Okay, now you can you can almost hold that and then you can cancel it if you wanted to within 24 hours or you can even just do a work order. Like, you know how you lock up your inventory if you're going to do a promotion and you don't want that inventory to be available. You can do that thing, too, and you have up to two weeks before you would then release it. Right. But the, the main thing is, is you, you need to pull that inventory or at least make it so it's not available. Okay, now here's one other thing. And I got thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I've got this inventory. And let's say that I pay $5 a piece for the, actually I pay more. I pay about $10. They sell for $29.95. So let's just say $10. I've got 700 units. So that's seven grand, right? Let's say, for example, I can't use that inventory. That's $7,000 that I would be out, right? Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but that could happen, right? So here's my next thought. Here's exactly what I did. I contacted my CPA, Josh Bowerly, you know, CPA on fire. I've had him on the podcast. I asked him, I said, okay. And again, I'm not a legal advisor and neither is he, but this is what he told me. I said, listen, I might have some inventory that I might not be able to sell. How does that work? Can I claim that as a loss or do I have to just eat it? And he said, no, as long as you can't sell it, that is a loss on the business. Okay. So because of that, and I know a lot of us are thinking, well, yeah, but now I'm still out that money. Yes. But depending on what tax bracket you're in, if you're in a 30% tax bracket, right? Every thousand dollars that you can write off, it's, it's basically like 300 bucks. Okay. So, you know, that, that's the way you got to look at it. 
So for me, at least, I mean, in the end, if I had to, I could write that off the business and that's $7,000 that technically I could show as a loss that would then um, help my bottom line as far as taxes go. Um, so again, just again, that's my thought process. I'm like, okay, how can I make this better? Um, and that's one thing that I immediately did as well. The next thing is number three is I sent in new inventory immediately the next day. Okay. I sent in a uh, hundred units and I had another hundred behind that. So let's just say a couple hundred units and then four uh, merchant fulfilled. It, uh, I got this as a bullet point. Merchant fulfilled is not as good because there's no prime. So that's the fourth thing that I wanted you to take away from this. I have my bullet points. So I was just reading what I wrote. Um, but basically the bottom line is, you know, you have to understand that merchant fulfilled is not going to be as good as fulfilled by Amazon for a lot of different reasons. But one of them is, is because there's no prime. And if there's no prime, well, then, you know, you don't get all of those perks and you don't get the free shipping and you don't get the two day shipping and all of that stuff. And then when people are searching for fulfilled by Amazon or searching for prime, you're not going to come up. All right. So you lose some of that, some of that traffic. All right. Now, currently right now, uh, I'm still waiting for for the uh, for the new inventory to get in stock. It's not even there yet. It's on its way. So in the next day or two, it should go live. All right. Um, so I can't really say how that process is, but as soon as that goes in, it, it, they accepted it as far as like they accepted me to send in that order. But it's not a hundred percent yet. It hasn't been officially checked in. I'm waiting for that to happen, and then hopefully we can get back to our six to ten units per day on that particular bundle. All right. But let me just say this, I have been still selling the single units of that listing of the variations. I've still been selling those. So it did not hurt that, um, that particular, um, element. It didn't, it didn't, uh, you know, go after the entire listing. It just went after that one variation. All right. Now a little lesson here. Okay. And this could have been prevented. Number one, if I would have went through all of the boxes and did the inspection myself, which normally what I do is I'll have them shipped here. I open up one or two boxes. I look inside, I go through them and then I go, okay, cool retape it, package it up, and then I send the whole lot into Amazon, okay? My lesson here is I'm probably going to have to go to a third-party inspection China side, okay? And I've been hearing a lot more about this, and that's why I'm probably going to do it. It's worth it. I think it's an extra maybe 250 300 bucks, depending on how big the order is. Um, but the one company that I've been hearing really good things about, I've been hearing about it inside of my private label classroom, is Top Win Inspection Okay, and what they do is they will go to your manufacturer and when it's ready, they will go there and they will look through everything, repackage it, and then it's ready to be shipped once you give the okay. And this this way here, you know, if you want to have that inspection done before you make your final payment, that is also another option as well. All right, so that's topwininspection.com. I will leave that link inside of the show notes to here um, or to this episode as well. Um, so definitely check out this episode for the show notes. That's 183, theamazingseller.com forward slash 183. And again, that's topwininspection.com. Um, the other thing I just wanted to uh, to kind of talk about quickly is that I had another option. My other option, and this is what I was thinking before I actually did the whole uh, thing that I just explained there, but my other option was, you know what, let me just abandon that one variation for right now. Let me just go ahead and pull that inventory, lock it up, make sure that it's it's done, and instead of uh, you know shipping the inventory, the new inventory into that variation, what I could do, okay, but there's a couple different things that you have to keep in mind here, what I could have did is I could have created a brand new variation on that listing, okay? Yes, it's the same bundle, but let's just call it a new variation. I could have did that with a new UPC code, okay? 
But here was the only thing that helped me here to be able to do this if I wanted to. The FNSQ number was not printed on my packaging. Okay. Now, my other my my other products that I'm I've recently launched launched I am printing the FNSQ number on there. So if I am doing that, I this wouldn't work. This wouldn't have worked as well. Okay, it would have, but I would have had to jump through a few more hoops. Okay, but because of that, here's how it would have worked. I would have created a new variation underneath that listing. I would have given a brand new UPC code. Okay, and then from there, I would have had Amazon label them with the FNSQ number. Okay. And then I would have had inventory being shipped into a variation on top of the other variations that are already there. That's the other advantage of having a listing that has variations. Now, one little key point here. If you have a product right now and it's one item and you don't think that you're going to have a variation, I would still open up that listing and create that listing with a variation. Okay. The variation doesn't even have to be live. It just you want to create that as a variation. So this way here, you can in the future, if you if I ran if I ran into this issue, and let's say I only had one product, but I had the capability of adding a variation without too many uh, things to do, I could have just opened up another uh, variation, created it with a new UPC code, and I could have shipped in inventory as it was its own uh, its own variation. Okay, so again, another lesson there for anyone that is just starting: always create your listing to have a variation. Always, okay. No matter if if you think it supports it or not, okay. It's just a lot easier if you don't do that. You'd have to call Amazon or contact them and have them create a listing that was able to have the variations. Then what they got to do is they basically have to delete your listing and then repost it, and then you got to worry about your your reviews going away and all of that stuff. All right. So definitely, definitely make sure that, that you do that because if you don't do that right now, and that was one product that got, uh, that was suspended and that got looked at, your listing would be down. Your full listing would be down. Okay. If you did it the other way, you could merchant fulfill it and then have it on that variation. Okay. So that's what I would do. Um, so that was my other option. I didn't do that option cause I didn't think I needed to. I did it the other way and it worked so far. Um, but again, I mean, having variations allows you to keep the listing live and keep the reviews. You need to really understand that. It's just kind of like a preventative measure um, that I would definitely recommend. And I think variations, if you can have variations, I think they're great to have. Even if you don't have one today, if you can add a variation to it, like with an accessory or maybe a new feature, um, it's a great way to piggyback off of that same listing that might already have some good authority, some good reviews, and then you're going to piggyback on top of that listing. All right. Um, and again, my last thing that I want to share with you is this is another reason why we want to start thinking about an external channel. Okay. This is why we want to start building that channel as soon as we can. Now you've heard me say before, don't worry about external channels. Don't worry about external traffic. And I still believe that. Okay. When you're first starting, that is not what you're going to want to do. But what you are going to want to do is once you get you know up and running and you start seeing some sales and you start seeing that it's you're verifying that it's going to sell and all of that stuff, then you need to start taking the measures to create that external uh, you know platform or that external um, e-commerce store of yours. Okay, now you don't want to really do this again, like I said, until you start generating some revenue and you validated the product. Okay, you don't need to do this in the beginning. In the beginning, you're just in the validation stage, let's call it, making sure that it's going to fly and it's going to sell. Then you can start building that external channel. Because if I had that external channel built and I was able to get external traffic, 
and I had sales coming from Amazon and I had sales coming from Google or Bing or any of those other search engines, or maybe I had an external funnel that I was driving traffic from Facebook ads to a landing page, to a blog post, and then to my, to my product, that still runs even if I'm under investigation in Amazon. That doesn't matter, right? So that's why building an external channel is going to be even more valuable and more important as we move forward here. And it's something that I'm going to be working on and I'll be sharing with you. But again, I don't like to overwhelm in the beginning because you want to validate and verify before you do any of that stuff because you could just be wasting your time. All right. So hopefully this has helped you. Again, it wasn't one of my happier days. Um, I didn't win Django, by the way, either that night. Um, I think my son ended up winning. I was a little distracted. Um, but, you know, I was I was able to deal with this situation. I think I only spent about a half hour dealing with it, honestly. Um, I was able to, to do those things I just told you in about a half hour, and then I did check it before I went to bed, made sure that, that it was live. It was, and uh, and then there I was able to see that I, I at least got back up and running, and then the next day I, I dealt with sending in the inventory and making sure that the other inventory was able to be shipped back and all of that stuff. So that is pretty much... Uh, my bad news of, of how my Amazon um, uh, product listing got suspended or the variation that is. And hopefully this has helped you that if this ever does happen, uh, you can kind of figure something out that can get you live, uh, you know, almost immediately. But also some preventative stuff there as far as having a variation or at least a listing that will give you the capability of having a variation. Really, really important. All right, so that is going to wrap up this episode. I did want to remind you guys that if you are brand spanking new and you wanted to learn this process of how to launch a product on Amazon, get through that validation, that that verifying a product stage and launching it and getting sales, getting reviews and promoting it and all of that stuff, I've created a free course for you. And you can find that and register for that. It's a 10-day course. You can head over to freeprivatelabelcourse.com. Again, that's freeprivatelabelcourse.com. And what that is is a 10-day email course with videos and worksheets that you can walk through. And I take you through bite-sized pieces, that is, where you can actually take them, listen to them, watch them, and then from there, take action upon them, all right? And you can see the exact process start to finish. And that's a 10 day course, totally free. All you have to do is sign up by entering your name and email address. And immediately you'll get an email from me that will say what is to be expected inside of the class. It'll give you the outline, the curriculum that is, and then it will deliver the first lesson, the real lesson, the next day, the next morning. All right. Now, if you do sign up and you don't receive that first email, check your promotions folder. If you're using Gmail, that's been known to go into that promotions folder and definitely make sure you drag that into your inbox. So that way there, all of the the lessons go into your inbox. Or if it goes into your bulk folder or your spam folder, make sure that you flag that as not spam or bulk and then drag it into your inbox. So that way there, you receive all of the additional um, lessons inside of the free course. All right. So again, that's free private label course.com. It's me in there walking you through step by step on how to launch a product on Amazon. All right, guys, once again, remember I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to do what? What do you guys have to do? Say it. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. You guys know the drill. If you're brand new, you're going to learn it right now. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you right back here on the next episode.